Namaste and in La Catch and welcome to this episode of One World, a New World. I'm your host, Zen Benefiel, and this week's guest is a very special woman. Her name is Andy Scarantino, and she is a mindset and transformational coach specializing in identity work, habit formation, and rewiring limiting beliefs. She's a graduate of Columbia University with an MA in sociology. She talks about mindset, consciousness, self-improvement, addiction awareness, and health and well-being. She's a featured contributor for Biz Catalyst 360. She's a corporate trainer and bartender for Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. And she was recruited as one of six core training members of the Doha Qatar opening team in 2019 for executing flawless restaurant openings and improving service while managing the New York City training team. She's also a certified adult distance running coach for the Road Runners Club of America. Andy, welcome. Man, that's quite a slew. Thank you, Zen. I have one correction. Bubba Gump has ended. Everything else is current. Ah. But it's all good things. Well, congratulations and condolences to those who... (laughs) Condolences. It's so good to be here, Zen. Oh, awesome, Andy. And as you know, you know, we explore the depths of the inner awareness and how that integrates into our outer worlds. And we go all kinds of places with that from childhood to adulthood and bouncing back and forth. And it's just really important, I feel, because part of my mission is really helping to facilitate a new world order of harmony among people and planet. Well, how are you going to do that? You got conversations about what we're not talking about, first of all, and that's the inner awareness, the inner world that we all experience that we hardly ever, if ever, talk about with others. And so by doing so, we have the opportunity to share people like you with our audience and offer reflection for them to realize, oh, I'm not so crazy, right? And that's a really warm, fuzzy feeling for folks. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Since everybody believes it, (laughs) that they are. Right, exactly. So why not talk about it? And we live half inside and half outside. So let's see if we can balance the scale a little bit. Mm -hmm. So how did you start out? You know, our conversations on and offline have have been really deep and, and inspirational and insightful. So I know that you've had to start early because you're not that old <laughs> and you've got a lot of wisdom that I believe most folks your age just don't carry, or if they do, again, they're not willing to speak up so much. How did I start? Well, that kind of ties in. I think that that was why it was important for me to make mention um, everything else is current because everything that has happened in my life that you're aware of anywhere that we've spoken about has really been last three years, Mm. like really since COVID. Um, That was when the big shift happened. That was a door opener for a lot of people. I mean, the, the, I told my wife when it first started in March when we went on lockdown that I really hope this obsession on self-hygiene and sequestration gets people to look inside, start examining themselves. And I believe it did for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, um, career-wise anyway, that was when all of this, of what I do started. But I had, um, I could say I woke up from a very long nap 
in 2018. <laughs> and uh, I'll try to keep the story brief. I was running my life into the absolute ground because I, um, I was just, I was drinking a lot. I mean, I'm a 62 in human design. So I lived my first 30 years before Saturn's return, experimenting with everything. Mm. And then when I hit about 30, it was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why am I so miserable? Why is everything so hard? Why? And I was in this long distance relationship with a man. Um, and I was visiting him and it was the middle of the night and it was January and we were drunk and we got into an argument um, and he dropped me at the airport in the middle of the night without a flight back to New York. He blocked me, he went home and he went to bed. And I was in this and I talk about that experience a lot. I don't really necessarily want to relive it because I feel like I, I say it way too much. You know, sure. like I talk about it way too much in too many areas. But essentially what ended up happening, because at that time I was a victim to everything, absolutely everything. If, if it was happening, I was a victim to it. Mm. And I was able to secure myself a flight home from that experience. And it was about eight o'clock in the morning. I had been in the airport all night, you know, puking, you know, all kinds of things. And I was sitting at the gate and this woman asked, are you okay? And I screamed at her. I said, yeah, I'm fine. Mm. And it was in this moment, I swear to God, something happened where, and it, it was, it was less than a second. It was a microsecond where my eyes just went. Mm. And I, and I was like, oh my God, I did this. I, I, I did all of this. I, this is me. I did this whole thing. And it was almost like in that moment I received this knowing, this just greater knowing. Mm -hmm. And happens in an instant. It was it was an instant. And and I went home. And I lost 52 pounds and I quit smoking. And I, because the first thing I did was I have to get my body in order. You and yeah. I have had conversations about connection to body. I, my body was a disaster. So I was, I was still working at the restaurant. I was very unhappy with that. Although that was training for what I do now, you know, because you meet people from all over the world every single day. It mm -hmm. is a, it's a, it's a phenomenal Much larger view and perspective on life than most of us get. Yeah, it was, it was really a gift, but at that time I was just focusing on, okay, I'm just going to get healthy. So I started learning how to be healthy. I, you know, I started running marathons, which is pretty cool, but there was something else. I had received more. There was more and it was finally right before COVID. I met really my first teacher. And I had an experience where I didn't know this, but in the year, I had been following him a while. And mm -hmm. in the year 2019, he had somewhat of a spiritual awakening. And I noticed that the content that he was posting on the internet, which used to just be fucking workout videos, all of a sudden was this other stuff. And I would look at him and I would just feel this, 
love. And I was like, I don't care what I have to fucking do. I will do anything. I will like, I will react. I will comment. I will, I will annoy you until you know who the fuck I am. You must know. You must know me. You must know me. And I finally was able to get this human to know who I was. Uh, I stopped drinking the day after Christmas, 2019 and 2020, we started connecting and I was like, I think I'm getting closer. And then the world shut down for COVID and I went, okay. Mm. And it was like, then it just became the trajectory of I listened to an interview you did with somebody about, and that they were talking about books they read, then they read so many books and it only had clicked at, at a certain point. For me, 2020 started the reading process, but it wasn't, I wasn't learning anything. It was confirmation of mm. shit I knew. And I started coaching at the end of the year and there's so much more, but that's the brief, that's the short of it, right? Like that's, that's it. Oh, and, and, you know, you mentioned something that it's, it was validation for what you already knew. We already know these things at the core of our being. We just have so much crap piled over the top of it that it's hard to dust it all off in order to get to the core of simply loving and being loved, right? And that has to do with self and others. Well, how do we do that? What did you find was that point of reckoning? I mean, you said that, you know, you had that awareness in, in the instant that instant is ineffable because it's like getting a huge download of data that takes years to unpack in most mm -hmm. situations, right? Because then we have to go through work on the body, work on the mind, work on the brain, you know, work on or the connection, work on the ability to articulate, being getting in touch with our feelings and being okay with expressing that in a vulnerable, open way, which is almost impossible for most people to do because they're afraid of being rejected when they do. Mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons why we have this kind of conversation so that we can get comfortable with being able to talk about these things openly and, and not just here virtually, to actually carry that back into our relationships, to our work, to our workplace, to whatever it is that we're involved with, to begin this deeper level of authentic relationship building. How do you see that in your transition and, and being so fresh in it, it, it's really cool that you're able to reflect on this truncated process, because that's kind of what it is for you. Most people, not most people, many had the opportunity to, to do the research, the development and, and preparation for this shift, being aware that something was about to happen. I mean, it's everywhere. It's in all the prophecies. It's in all the calendars. It's ubiquitous when one begins to look. How did that validation then turn into being able to step into that awareness and live it more freely well there was that moment and of course it was it was present in me when i was young and mm -hmm. and like in deep 
deep awareness of things. And I always had this idea that it was supposed to be different and I was supposed to be the one to facilitate that, like in some way. I mean, I rebelled against standardized education my whole life, <laughs> you know, and I was always really smart, so it was fun. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and teachers yeah, really me. like that, right? You know, I it's, can't it's imagine questions. it at all. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're always asking questions and nobody else asks and stumps the teacher, not intending to do so. Mm -hmm. Like, why? Well, why? Yeah. Well, why? <laughs> you know, but when I when I was able to start verifying the downloads, especially with like Joe Dispenza and like, you know, learning about how, learning about quantum physics, learning about spirituality, learning about divine, divine love. I mean, it was just, it was so validating and freeing that I couldn't, I made the decision. Okay. Cause my, my work had shut down. I was, you know, working at the restaurant and it shut down for COVID. And I said, I'm not going back there. And I'm, and I had made, I had been stuck in a very big box for a long period of time. And I kind of came to this decision. I'm like, I'm walking the path and I don't know what the fuck that means, but I'm walking it mm. and I can't turn around anymore. I have to go that way. Like I have to go that way. That's the way that I go. And I am an, uh, uh, an analytical, hyper-rational in my mind, defined crown, defined, like I'm, I'm a thinker to the point where I can't stand it. And when I realized my brain was the thing in the way, I was like, fucking hell. Now, isn't it like, interesting, if I can interject this, and I, I've a few times other, on other shows, the, a lot of folks have been programmed into the religious realms, right? And that there's this enemy that they call Satan. Well, in my... When I had my awakening at 18, I was compelled afterwards to go to the university library and look up the word Satan. Couldn't understand why, but I thought, ah, why not? Right. So I go down there and I two volume set of dictionaries, right? And so I'm looking through there. And the very first reference is from the Greek, Thetan, T-H-E-T-A-N. And it means thinker. So what occurred to me was there was a fictitious enemy that was created in order to manage populations when in actuality we are that and it's the ability to manage our minds and how we think that keeps us in flow or in distraction and then we blame all kinds of things including the fictitious enemy that made us do something Right. When no, we made the choice to do it. Nobody else did. Mm -hmm. So all of this hopefully will kind of blow up in their face at some point in time and, and people will realize, oh, we've had a false belief system. Unknowingly, willingly giving part to that. And there's no condemnation in that. Right. There's just an awareness that, okay, we've done this. Now we know better. Let's move on. And in that fashion, there seems to be this trinity involved in, in 
most major, if not all major religions. Well, where does that come from? And if there's a creator and or creators that have this infinite intelligence that designed us, what's that design? What are we supposed to do with it? How are we supposed to be in it? And are we indeed that consciousness, like the Vedantic philosophy says, incarnate that has the ability to be in cosmic consciousness in the physical form? Now, we also call that Christ consciousness, and some call it the Bodhisattva. And I'm sure there's other terms for that awareness in the body. And the Vedas say that, you know, we're all divine threads with the capacity of rising to that level. Mm -hmm. Again, it's choice. So do you, from what you've said so far, it would seem that what I just said fits really synergistically in, in the awareness that you presented. How would that then allow yourself and others to get a fuller grasp or maybe even uh, a better understanding of their own path and the ability to step into that like you did, at least not knowing where it was going to take you, but you realized that, oh, I've got to change. And this is, I'm following that inner prompting, not knowing necessarily what's going, where it's going to take you. And yet you go. Yeah. How does that well, feel? What's the, what's the process that you go through when you're in that place? And, and what might you think that others would, could, could, would relate to in the, that process? Uh, I would say pay attention to the, to the vessel because it's telling you. And, and if the feeling is undesirable, experience that feeling so that and and i'm and i and i like to make things, don't deny it no 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 we're not spiritually bypassing here that was one of the first things that i actually learned was the idea that we, we like to do that and let's not mm -hmm. and let's let's feel the thing and just i'll tell you this because this is a relatable story for a lot of people when i quit smoking cigarettes it was fucking awful and that discomfort has been the same discomfort for every single moment of growth that I have had since. It's the same. Mm. So people are going through, you know, when you are moving energy, when your neurology is actually shifting, it's discomfort. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not bad. You're not defunct. You're not crazy. There's just something that, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, I work with clients, particularly, you know, that want they want to stop that in its tracks immediately and it's like no you're going to sit there and often you're not going to come to an awareness you're not going to be able to think your way to a breakthrough you're just going to sit in that discomfort to the point where you want to rip your skin off your body mm -hmm. and you're not going to have a resolution you're going to want to rip your skin off your body maybe until you go to sleep and maybe it might go on a couple of days and then you're going to wake up and you're going to be like get it. That was what that was. You know, it's, it's this idea that, you know, Kabbalah, they talk about collapsing the vessel with reactive behavior and the idea that 
we are reactive and thus we, you know, we don't expand. And, and you know, we're all mini vessels, like mini threads, like you said, mm -hmm. and we don't expand. And uh, people have attachment, deep attachment. I think that the biggest, the biggest problem in the West is attachment to outcome attachment to what we want the outer world think. yeah and it doesn't that it's 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 an illusion like i when you talk about your experience let's clarify the outer world isn't the illusion it's how we interact with it mm -hmm. the i place that is mm -hmm. cuz nothing in the outer world the the form doesn't change it's how we work with the forms <laughs> that does. Yeah. So how did you experience that recognition and transformation into beginning to work with your inner awareness and, and seeing that being reflected in the outer world simultaneously? Well, I started understanding what things felt like in terms of vibration and frequency and being able to go on a way to think my eyes <laughs> yeah well and there you know, is the crux of that right you stopped thinking you went to yeah. feeling and that's yeah. uncomfortable because there's a certain discipline that we have to develop in order to shut the thinking off and feel. Mm -hmm. And then allow the thinking to emerge from that feeling or sense in the inquiry of what that sense is. Yeah. That's again, the body. The body's a transceiver, right? Mm -hmm. I, could, I say it's an instrument. We haven't learned how to tune yet, let alone play in concert. Because we're operating from the head up or shoulders up in most cases. Um, during COVID, my Andy, my teacher's name is Andy. I think I mentioned um, my former teacher. He led a meditation every day. Before that, I had not bothered to go inward, at least with any regularity. Mm -hmm. I used to do it in the mornings after I would run by the East River. And I would, and he did this live on Facebook and we were all, you and I have talked about the spaces of connection on the internet that those of us who were looking, I mean, we were here and we were making these pockets of connection. And that was one of mine. And I remember days of just sobbing, just sobbing for no, there was no reason. There was no thought. There was no, I'm, I am upset because like there was none of that. It was just sobbing mm -hmm. and it wasn't until uh, a couple of years later you know i think i heard jack cornfield say uh in, in or read in one of his books about you know and until you've like cried in meditation you know you don't really know i mean there's there's just so there's just so much there was so much in me that i didn't even realize was there and I would love to, one of the things that I was a little bit coming into this interview was I was a little bit nervous because I don't really feel like bringing the sound bites or my ego to it, you know, like sure, the, tr sure. the well, truth no is. Ego without ego. I, I know. Ego without we go. That's right. 
And uh, in that, we transcend. Doesn't dismiss the ego, necessary part of our being. Again, it's how we use that in order to incorporate it in a larger perspective. Yeah. And that happens in relationships, work, play, wherever we are, right? We're not yeah. an individual, we're not an island into ourselves because we're all connected in the water. <laughs> right. Yeah. We are the water. Yeah. 70% by or close to. And gosh, you know, it, it's amazing how frequencies affect water. You know, Masaramoto had these experiments that he did with freezing ice crystals after thinking and projecting thoughts into them, into the water. Can I tell you a story when you're... Off, that sounds really bizarre, right? However, the variety of types and styles of crystals that he examined under microscope from those intentions was dramatically different you know those thoughts of love were just had this amazing symmetry those mm -hmm. thoughts of hate looked like cacophony there was no recognizable patterns in them whatsoever right it was insane Wait, I have to I have to interject real quick story. Sure. 2021, I briefly worked in another bar. And I had a regular. He was a superintendent in the building and he came in and he drank Jameson every day at lunch. Several big servings of it. Mm. And one day he was sitting there and he, remember, I'm newly on the path. And he looks at me and he goes, Hey, you ever hear about the water and consciousness? The water, it's consciousness. It's in the water. You know, like when you feel something and someone over there feels something, it's the water. You got to look up the water in consciousness. And I was like, you have never really spoken about absolutely anything that has been any like semblance of stimulating. And now today, after all this Jameson, you just bust out with that. Like, what the fuck? Went home and looked it up. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Right. So it's. I'm glad you brought it up because it's so right. It's well, so the, right. There's a perfect example how someone, unbeknownst, right, was in a state of quasi-consciousness that you needed a message delivered and the door opened for it. Mm -hmm. Arbitrary, out of nowhere. You know, from a guy that never talked about anything like that, well, how, why would that happen? It was yeah. that moment of you being there, present, in inquiry, still internally, right? Because once you have those questions, they, they sit with you. You live in them, like Renee Wilkie says, right? You can't answer the question with the thing that Einstein says, you can't answer the question with the same, or you can't solve problems with the same thinking that created them. Rilke says you can't answer the question with the knowledge that you have. You have to live with it and allow the outer world, and sometimes the inner world too, to answer those questions over time. Because there's layers of answers to those questions that if you're given all of it immediately, you wouldn't understand it because you don't have the experience from with to draw that con those conclusions from. So when you were moving in and through this, 
how did you express it to your intimate others? Oh boy. <laughs> well, and what, what have, was their response? Well, I have atheist parents and um so that's that has I just started being as I was and my mother has come to terms with me. And hmm. you know she she for many years wanted uh nothing but conformity from me. And I've come around to a place where that is because that is what works the best for her. I mean, she is a, a, that is the way that her life's path is meant to be. She belongs in an organized system because she's a projector and she can think in ways that improves um, every mm -hmm. system that she comes into. She's extremely intelligent. She doesn't understand the way that I operate, but she's accepted it. And it, because it was COVID, there was a lot more freedom for people to be kind of moving into new things. And I just stayed with it. I just stayed the course. I lost a lot of people. A lot of people just, and it wasn't like a big blow up. It was just that people naturally fell away. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't much I could do about it. And I wasn't really upset. It just was the way that it was. And then... I was not involved with anyone romantically, but in 2021, as I'm verifying the downloads, mm -hmm. uh, the late great Wayne Dyer enters my life with his book on the Dow. I'm marathon training. We're running eight, nine hours a week. So we've got the Dow in our ears. And a week before the Chicago marathon, I was a beta tester for a social audio app. And this other guy who later became my partner, was just there doing a talk on the Dow. And I jumped in and we read Dow number 47 together. And it was kismet. It was love. It was, we, we were, we were just, we were in love. It was like, and he later said, you know, I, he, he sent the information back later in our relationship. He said, I sent the information back that when you came up to pay attention, and I attribute a lot of my spiritual growth to my time with him because he just embodied it. And he lived in Chicago and I was going to be there for the marathon in a few days. So we met just a few days later hmm. and that was very strange. And what I've noticed then is that, and I know that your life has been very much the same way that the person that's supposed to be there is going to be there at the time. And you have to be here now so that you're ready to receive them. If you're somewhere else, you're not going to receive them. And I received him and he received me. And then we didn't receive each other for a while. And then we did. And there was just, it didn't matter. It didn't matter about anyone and this isn't just about you know about uh, his name is martin it's not just about martin as much as it is that there were no other people like i was so deep in this love for me and this connection to higher self mm -hmm. to everything that it did nothing mattered it didn't, it didn't matter. It's like, whatever is here, that is what is here. And we're going to do that now. And that I, is I find that the sense of that is like being and living in a state of awe constantly. Yeah. 
where you so many things are happening that's beyond our comprehension and understanding how mm-hmm. and yet there they are in answer to questions or thoughts or hopes or dreams that we'd had and then all of a sudden you know there they are in front of us and it's amazing how i found that this is you know life's kind of our consciousness if you will is kind of like a tesseract where wherever we put our attention intention and interaction that's what we experience that's what we draw to us and through that intention what we seek is also seeking us because we've set it up to do so and then it shows up you know it's that constant morphing and and enveloping self that you're throwing that intention out in front of you and then as it returns you're going back into what you've learned that's supportive of allowing it to show up as opposed to what you've learned that distracts it from showing up and you're able to make the choice that you mentioned the very essence of that what's desirable and what's undesirable you have a sense when you talk about the Tao. I have a dear friend, rest in peace. Um, he was the original Wofat on Hawaii Five-O. He also had a doctor. His name's Kai D. He was a doctorate in theology. He was a rector for a Dallas sanctuary here in Tempe. He was one of my first interviews on my first show in the 90s. He passed away in 92. And I was sitting at my desk a couple weeks later on a Tuesday morning. I finished what I was doing, took a moment, put my elbows on my desk and clasped my hands for the rest of my chin on my hands and closed my eyes. And almost instantly, I found myself in a conversation with him, face-to-face, internally. And after a few moments, I said, well, Kai, you know, am I interrupting you from some important duty? I mean, I know you've got stuff to do over there. And instantly, this big, booming voice came through and it says there are many worlds and on that the whole house shook literally and i'm in a guest house block cement slab floor shouldn't have happened unless there was something really dramatic that had taken place because i felt it it pulled me you know i came out of the meditation instantly as a result a couple days later i'm over in scottsdale at my girlfriend's apartment uh, home and Scottsdale Progress is on the kitchen table. I don't ever read newspaper, but I was compelled to open it up. Inside cover, FAA announces sonic boom was a headline. I'm like, oh, and I read in it Tuesday morning at approximately 10 a.m. Same time, the FAA announced that there was a sonic boom. Its office was flooded with calls wondering about the explosion. Nobody could see it, you know, they felt it. And so they decided they were going to announce it. Oh, yeah, it was a sonic boom. Second paragraph. However, Luke Air Force Base, Sky Harbor Airport, and Williams Air Force Base could not identify its source. Of course, of course, yeah. So, you know, how do you explain that to normal people? Well, let's stop. <laughs> let's let's stop with the, the the fucking explaining how okay i need these normal people to get off their high horses with the how we don't need to know the how 
you know, we don't need to know the how. We don't need to know it. It doesn't need to be identified. That's what's keeping everybody. That's the thinker. That's why you, that's why you keep coming back, motherfuckers. Right. Am I allowed to, am I allowed to curse on this show? Uh, you have, so I've I guess I'm going to deal with it now. And apologies for those who it's offended. Apologies to the audience. Uh, if Zen right. would like me to edit this out, I'll I'll gladly um, do it pro bono. Um, no, yeah, it's live. It's I'm, raw. It's real. I, I don't do it. Yeah. Um, um, here's and, the, here's and you're the right. This is where we get into that thinking. That's got to go. That's got to go. Because I've heard, you know, I, I, it's not just this experience. It's all the experiences. What we Everybody, do right? We want to tear things apart with you destructive testing to figure out how something is made. We tear stuff apart to find out the same. Mm -hmm. Why do we do that? How safety, safety? Then this is another. And I, I'm sorry, I have to go on a, a small tangent. Please, I have to. I have to. Oh, we're tangentialists. I, right I, hell. <laughs> Um, I used to have a big attachment to my memory and Andy would point it out and, and Martin as well. They're like, you know, you really got to wa watch with this memory. Like this memory is just, this is not spiritual. You have to work on this memory. And I'm like, well, I, I wanted to know that my experience happened. So I was very wed to my memory. And I said, you know, I'm just going to start letting go of pieces of my memory, and I don't know how you're how you feel about changing timelines or what your view uh, on that all is, but as I started to just let go, let go of the memory, let go of the memory, all of a sudden people in my orbit started bringing up things that I didn't remember. Um, one of them this last Christmas, my mother said, I think it was actually my brother. He said, "Your ex boyfriend Robbie, he lived in the apartment downstairs from Dad." I'm like, "No, he didn't. There, he never lived there." Yes, he did. You told us about it. Or I remember that. And I'm like, I don't remember that. Like, but you oh. know what? If you said it happened and you remember it and that's your experience, good for you. I have the same <laughs> you know? thing happens with, happen with my kids who are your age and a little older. You know, they, uh, my young adults, I should say, uh, or my adults at this point. Same thing. You know, they'll bring up stuff that they remember from their childhoods, the limited time that I had with them. and it's amazing what they remember. I remember certain things about their experience, but I remember it differently. Now, we also have the ability of confabulation, too, of wanting to remember things that weren't actually there, but it's how we want to remember it. Not necessarily the case or, you know, need to be uh, argued about in certain cases. Like you say, you know, it's like, oh, Okay, you remember it that way? Cool. Well, why can't we just accept, you know, like to, mm -hmm. like, if that's your experience, then that's your experience. And, and instead of having to find all of the necessary experience. Exactly. Exactly. And if it's your experience, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't make me unsafe. It doesn't make me, it doesn't do anything. I'm mm -hmm. just having my experience. And, and that is something big that, that I've, that's, that was another part of the download. <laughs> that was part of the package that, that I got at the airport. Right. But when I started to actually be said the words, like somebody, somebody would just say the word and I would go, oh, yeah, why am I doing that? Why is my brain insistent on that? That has to stop because I know 
that there is something. I know there's something much deeper. And I'm so damn sick of repeating the samsara. Like, it has to end. It's going to end soon. And I'm going to step into whatever the fuck this is. And if that means that I stop insisting on explanations, then that's what it means. Because I can't fucking do it anymore. You know, like It's some of that... Um inability to let go is because we're so invested in the pain that we have from the traumas we've experienced i think so i think that's for a lot of people yes and for me it's because i'm afraid to die hmm well i can vouch that there is none there might be a transition of form but you know what's funny and i was talking to a guy the other day who'd done some research into ancient texts as well and according to them um, what we call God never created death. That was man's doing. You know, that energy is eternal, which is what we're designed to be. We just haven't figured it out yet. It takes however many lifetimes in order to get the memo to at least mm-hmm. begin the process of developing the discipline internally that allows us to let go of those fears that get in the way and step into that greater self, that cosmic consciousness that we are, and allow that awareness to begin to layer itself into us as we dust off the other layers. Because as one layer disappears, there's a replacement that comes in that's Mm -hmm. of higher order for us. And it's a really interesting process. I mean... (laughs) I just turned 66, so I've, I've got, you know, many crashes and burns and, uh, and ascensions from that to really look at the patterns that I had and what I went through and, and compare those to what I see happening around us from the behavior of others, not necessarily inquiring of them as to why they have this particular pattern. I recognize it in me now, so I can see it in others and I can dress it as such or undress it depending <laughs> I meant the at, you know, address, and I forgot the ah. Um, so I just went with it. In the process of doing so, what do you find that has been one of your greatest challenges? You've mentioned some already, but is there something that really like that instantaneous awareness? Is there something that popped at some point that? was like a domino effect with others with other people or just it could be other people could be with just the recognition within yourself where you had certain data points lined up but you didn't have anything to knock them down yet or to connect them all into a flow of understanding does that make sense it makes sense Tough question, maybe. It's not a tough question, and I don't know if this is going to answer it. But it's what you got, so let's go. <laughs> it's what's here. It's what's here. In the beginning, that, I, still I was canceling the butts in my conversation. <laughs> and um, in the beginning, it was, I thought for sure that it was someone else that did everything. Mm. And when it was Andy, I thought it was Andy. And then there was a point where I thought I was in love with Andy. And I was, but not in a romantic way. 
it wasn't him at all. It was me. He was open and I could see me. So that part and, of expressing through him. that Yeah. And, and that I started to understand that divine feminine because I didn't acknowledge that at all in mm. myself. Most of my experience, I insisted to be, I, I'm a New Yorker, like, <laughs> you know, like I was a, I was a hard masculine thump, thump, like push forward, push, push, push. Right. And, and to move into that feminine and to be able to flow, to be, and to look at myself deeply, like deeply look at myself and to see and to allow and to allow it was was the biggest piece it, it was i have a great ego i talked about ego earlier and being nervous mm -hmm. about bringing her in here i don't think she's been in here too much but i have a great ego i love her she's phenomenal she's funny she is a she is everything that i have built her to be and i also exist independently of her and mm. I didn't know that person. I, well, that not even a person. I didn't know that essence. I didn't know, I didn't know myself that way. And I can't tell a listener how to experience that. I know you experience yourself deeply. I know I experience myself deeply when I'm with you, Zen. But Thank you. you're welcome. Yeah, it's powerful. But I, I can't tell anyone how to do it other than when you want to do something, don't. Like, just be. Just allow. Right? Allow. What, what is there? You know, I had an interview just before this, and we were talking about the same process of just opening up, being that empty vessel. Right? We're told, and, and I realize you were, raised by a couple of atheists, but there is a scripture that talks about the empty vessel. You know, you can't fill the cup until it's empty. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the metaphor there applies to that emptiness inside. That's where we enter what's called the nothingness from which all things flow, right? And when we look at that quantum physics model, there's a great video um, on Tesla numbers, a 369, and it's about the rodin um, horn taurus and, and how that operates and at the center in the, there's a video clip in the center of it or in the middle of the video that's a great visual with the point of light in the center of it the human body um, image there and the electromagnetic field or aura around it and in that point of light is where everything connects well that's a point of light what's on the inside of the point of light the entrance into the void, the nothingness. There's a whole memoir, not just memoir, there's a conversation that the project manager, um, director for Project Magnet, which was Canada's blue book. And this gentleman in the 50s had conversations with people from elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they several things they first said that time to them is a measurement in the change of entropy we live half inside and half outside and that 
in this, gosh, now I forgot my point. Uh, oh, the point of light, the nothingness. We don't understand nothingness. And that's the beginning of their framework. So we've got pieces missing. And we feel that with each other. There's pieces missing. How do we restore that connection? Well, we, first of all, got to get out of our own way. <laughs> As you found, right? It's that thinking part of us that we want to know, we want to explore, we want to be curious. And then we try to answer things with the knowledge that we have. Well, we wouldn't have the questions if we had the knowledge. Right. It, it's not. It's hard yeah. to admit we don't know. And that's yeah. where the ego comes in. The ego says, oh, I know. Well, do you? What's your experience of the knowing? That's a sensory capacity that we have that's beyond thinking. How did that, and I know that realization has come to you because we've talked about it. How did that process become available to you to, to at least have the awareness of it and, and begin to asking questions to further develop it? it? It just was. I know that's a simple answer, but it just... Most things are simple. Yeah, it just was. And, you know, it was all part of that. Like, I'm, I'm going this way now and I'm not, I'm not going to do anything that's going to take me off of this, mm -hmm. this, this path. It just, it just is. And go ahead. You had something. So I would, yeah. I have a question. Do you find that in that you have realized that even in the complexity, there's a simplicity. It's not complicated. We can still have the complexity because there are all of these things that uh, imbue our lives, right? People, places, and things, right? That Those interactions and the cause and effect in them can be very complex, yet there's a certain uncomplicated way to engage them. Do you find that to be a core, mm, I want to say value, understanding of that, it just is? Yes, <laughs> it just is. That's really easy to say, yeah, you know. Yeah. That's why yes. the Zen Cohens have always had people go, huh, what, right? Because they try to think their way through them. And each one of them is meant to instill or to uh, invite that inner knowing to the surface you mentioned yourself there's a core awareness that just simply is that you found now because you recognize that all the distractions were just so they were distractions and you allowed yourself not that it's a bad thing right we do our best in the world to be a part of it in hopefully the best ways that we can given our skill set, given our understanding, and giving our knowledge of how to interact with each other, which varies depending on how you experienced your childhood in most cases. What advantages, you know, you're talking about the, your parents being atheists, what advantages did that, or do you feel that gave you 
in looking into this depth of experience. Oh, it was cool. Oh, it was so cool. Um, well, when I was 16, I met the first human that introduced me to spirituality and it scared the fuck out of me. I mean, I remember at one point he had an experience where he was in one room and then immediately appeared in a different room. Um, and he was kind of freaking out about that experience. And he, he shared that with me. And I thought my parents are going to my parents are mental health professionals. Mm. So my, my, uh, we had a copy of the DSM sitting on the shelf that mm. they would regularly take off the shelf and say, oh, it looks like you've got a, you know, like, and so they're not like that anymore. But, you know, I had a, I had, that, that was just what it was like. And uh, so I was like, I can't tell anybody, but <laughs> they're going to think I'm fucking nuts. And but that was the first, you know, this gentleman was a Christian. And so that was just the first sort of experience that I had with a human where I could feel like, where I could feel God, like where I could mm -hmm. feel, I could have that understanding. Um, I didn't want to admit that. That's when I went to college and tried to be a normal person. And mm -hmm. I, so I started drinking and partying and I did that till I was 30 something. But when I got rid of all that, that part was still there. And I was still just this blank slate of, I don't have to undo any indoctrination, like, cause there isn't any, mm -hmm. because it didn't happen when I was four. So the things that, that neurology, that, that wiring of us happens at so young, but I didn't have that. And my mother was very good. My mother was, was very good about, I encourage you and your brothers to go and explore. I have done all my research and I have decided that nothing exists. I am an atheist. This is what I believe. You do not need to believe that. You go out and explore. She was great. She was great about that. That's an amazing yeah. opportunity and support. Yeah. She should give you the permission and then support that activity. Yeah. Phenomenal. What she a gift. It is. Yeah. And she knows, um, she knows I am the way that I am. And I, and I have just been able to take, you know, I am a very, I'm a, I'm a Ken Wilbur. Everybody's right. You know, like I just keep putting things in and, and I can, because I, I don't have to make sense of, well, let's just try to make sure that this all fits with what I know about Jesus from when I was seven. Like, I don't right. have to do that. Right. I can just say, okay, it's all here. And then everything fits and everything's good and everything makes sense. And I get into conversations with people. I mean, like, like us and yeah, it's just here. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. This now, is how, it. With the guy that um, appeared in two rooms. Yeah. Did he like blink his eyes and move or. I don't remember. Um, I don't remember. It would seem, uh, are you familiar with the term bilocation? I am. Okay. I am. Places at once, right? There, there's that possibility. Um, when I was in, in college my second year, I had a friend that was up in Canada. He was supposed to be back for winter break, wasn't back yet. And he had a girlfriend a year before, and the three of us were thick as thieves. Um, hadn't heard anything from her since the previous year. And so I'd come back from um, going out one night, and I lay down, and I closed my eyes. I'd plug a tape in. 
to some music that would help set the mood because I wanted, we'd done some experimentation the previous year with telepathy. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try it and see what happens. So I laid down, closed my eyes, pictured his face, looked into his eyes, imagined grabbing him by the shoulders and standing him up so I could see his entire body. And at that time, then Carolyn, who, the girl, her face appeared and the three of us began a conversation. We talked for the duration of the song. At the end of the song, they both disappeared. I came back, opened my eyes up and went about my business. And I thought, hmm, that was interesting. And so the following Friday, I'd been calling his parents' house wondering when the heck he was going to be back. And they didn't know because there was no phones where he was at. He was in his grandfather's cabin 2,000 miles north in Canada and no electricity or anything. And so it, I call him one morning and, and uh, he answers the phone out of breath. And I'm like, dude, where you been? And he said, well, I'll tell you the truth. I knew that was you on the phone. So I ran in to answer it. That's why I'm out of breath. I said, okay, it's cool. So we still got it. He says, yep. I said, all right. So I'll be over in a couple hours, pick you up. Showed up, talked to his parents for a few minutes, got out in the car. I turned to him and I said, did you catch any flack last weekend? And just shut up. And the first thing he says to me is, yeah, you son of a bitch, you woke me up out of bed. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I was laying there sound asleep. I felt somebody grab my shoulders, set me up in bed. I opened my eyes up. There was your face. And behind yours was Carolyn's. We talked for a few minutes and you guys split. And I went back to bed. Week and a half later, there's a postcard that shows up in his mailbox addressed to him with Carolyn's handwriting. And it was a Krishna camp. Uh, postcard and it had the Santa Barbara address which I'm guessing is where she was at on the west coast I was in Muncie Indiana and the only thing it said was enjoyed the conversation so here as a 19 year old this just kind of blew my mind as far as what our capabilities are and yet at the same time I also realized that is a sacred art and cannot be used for anything other than loving communication because if you try to use it to manipulate people it's only going to backfire eventually so you walk into rooms and when you at least for me sometimes i have these senses of what people are thinking and it's really disturbing sometimes as a youngster Right, And I've learned to put those filters up to only accept what is important at the highest level for me and the other individual to enter that sphere. And so these are things that you can develop as disciplined activities or ways of being, if you will, as you work through these things. And I'm sure you probably found similar operational capacity as well. What, what have you recognized in, in your life that would reflect something like that. Something like that. Of course, I gave you a lot of that there to, to wait in. It's not as honed as yours yet. Well, I've been working at it a little longer, right? Yeah. I mean, I remember, I've only been awake for five years. Yeah. But. Oh, come on now. You, you, you should be. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's also a thought. It, that many have is that oh i'm i'm awakened now i i can now turn this awakening out at, around and beat people over the head with it to promote or proselytize what i know to be true 
Well, you know, well, yeah, exactly. The people do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the world's full of them. Internet's full of them. They make a lot of money. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, I have opinions about it. <laughs> and, I, and I would um, imagine the kind of congruent, you know, a man or woman is worth their labor, right? Because mm -hmm. we've done the effort to build the skill set. However, these gifts, there's no value, there's no cost to them other than giving our lives to it. And so in giving that, it's free. Yeah. There's other ways, you know, there, there's actual things that need to be done in the world that have value as well. So how might we adjust to that kind of realization? Well, I was still, my mind was still on your first question. Hmm. It was still on your first question because well, you what I want. That. That's fine. I, I ask a lot of questions and some. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you're beautiful. Um, it's that when I, I, I mentioned this to you before we started recording about how I just finished a year long, uh, experience with a mm -hmm. women's coaching community. It was daily and it took a lot of energy for me, from me. The minute that was out of my orbit, <laughs> it was just, I had three people that I communicated with last week that, that responded, you must have ESP. I was just, and I'm like, well, actually I do. It's just been lying dormant um, for, a, for, for a while. And uh, that has been, you know, there has been definitely bouts of that in my life that is... It's not as honed again, like you talked about with you and your two friends speaking to each other and being able to remember those conversations. But I have awareness of, it's not like I'm talking to you and you're talking back. It's like there was an exchange. I don't mm -hmm. know what that exchange was, but I have awareness that it happened. I have awareness and it can't be anything but love because everything else is mind and it's like this happens separately from the mind, in my experience. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you just you know you mentioned the mind, and it caused me to reflect on the two types of mind. There is the local and the non-local. The local mind is kind of in the immediate sphere of influence and what's going on around us. And the non-local is the one that kind of interjects and provides those interesting synchronicities or, the, or connects the dots of the data that we've been building into a cohesive thought form eventually, once we're ready to have that cohesive moment. Until then, it seems to feel a little uh, disjointed. I guess it would be there. There's a there's a sense of hmm, there's something I'm missing, or there's something more, and, and there's a not necessarily a feeling of disconnection. Although that's how it may be interpreted, right? Because we're pushing and pulling energy to try and feel connected, when all we have to do is just relax, and we already are. That kind of, did you find that baffling at first? 
yes and then peace mm. like confusion followed by peace so how did you move through that what do you recall any uh, of the transitional phrasing if you will a lot of hows. I, I don't know how. I, I wish I could tell you. I, I wish that I could. Other than it's just more discovery all of the time. That's it. That's in that discovery. The sense that you garnered from it was it an instantaneous or an extended experience? And I guess that would be relative to the kind of question that you would ask as well. And some things, like you said at the airport, you know, you got that instantaneous aha that just like everything in a moment. A second. That doesn't happen. Uh, cancel that. That may happen. And yet, because of our learning to date, the programming that we've received in the outer world and through education, schools, family, church, all of that kind of stuff, it tends to make that process a little longer because we have to deal with the belief systems that we're carrying, right. even though we don't recognize that we're carrying them until they pop up and it's like, oh, I need to look at that. Well... I forced myself to look at things because I, I just, I, I made myself face things. Um, I, an example, end of 2021, I said, that's it. I'm done working service jobs. I picked up a bartending job and I had picked up a work at a wedding venue. I'm like I'm done. I don't like this. I'm, I'm, I want to be coaching full-time. I want to make my business work. Well, a lot of people have money shit. I have money shit. <laughs> I have money shit because, you know, my parents lost their house when I was a kid and blah, blah. So what's a good way to get through your money shit? Quit your jobs. Force yourself to choose between a story about survival and survival. Mm. You work through it real quick. So in order to survive, I had to face all of the story all of the, this, and it felt like ripping, like, again, I think I used this example before, ripping skin off your body. But mm -hmm. I was like, no, I, well, I quit my jobs. I drove across the country. <laughs> and then I came home and started working on the shit. But um, it, it was, it, that was what it was. It was, no, I'm going to force myself to look at it. I'm going to force myself to face it. I'm going to force myself to sit with this, Find my stories because every single layer and every single story that I can peel off gets me closer to that purity. Mm -hmm. And and at first it was about manifestation. I'm not going to lie. I want to make more money. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then I got to a point where like the fucks given about that just started flying out the window because it didn't matter anymore. It was just all that matters is that I walk this path. That's all that matters. Like, what do I really care about? Do I care about the money or do I care about the fact that I have to walk this path? And I don't want to, like, it's just, it, it just became this, there's shit that, that we, we wire 
And we think our brain thinks we're either going to die or be unloved or be rejected if we don't follow the old pattern, but the old pattern goes back to this place. So how did I, I forced myself to sit with some awful crap mm -hmm. for a long time. You step through the fear, right? Mm -hmm. That's the false evidence appearing real that we attempt to free every anxious reaction toward. And most of us, I'll use your term, fuck everything and run. Right? We want to avoid it at all costs, even into the death. So we think, and, and many operate that way, right? They'll fight to the death to, for their belief system. Well, why would you want to do that? Why not fight to the love? Right? The, that door, that fear is a door. All you got to do is walk through it and you realize it wasn't there to begin with. Once you walk through the door, that was your imagination. Yeah. And our imaginations can be really powerful. So why not imagine something else? Start with that, like we were talking earlier about structural tension, right? Starting with that end in mind, like the entrepreneurial spiel is, right? You begin with the end in mind, create your vision, and then back your way out of it. And find the simple steps to get there because they when you start asking the questions once you created the vision it's seeking you too so it's going to show you how to get there it's going to unpack the breadcrumbs for you to follow when you're able to be present with it and not get in your own way because all the michigas and that i have to speak to that briefly sure the the understanding that you are there for it as much as it's there for you was mm -hmm. huge because yeah I, I, a lot of times i walk around or i used to about this idea that it's all for me and and i you were there for it and to know yourself and why and maybe you don't know why and then you start to see why and you're like okay like there's a reason i'm here and this is right and i know it because i feel it like right in my solar plexus i feel it like i i it's, that's it's, the gut, the intuition. That's yes, the, it's, the it's, ancient, another ancient philosophy of the indigenous. Um, and I think it started with the Aborigines. Um, the three brain, gut, heart, head, right? We process from the head to the heart to the gut and push everything around with our will. Instead of starting with the gut, being sensitive to those things around us, allowing it to direct the energy up through us to, at the heart level, figuring out in the Tao, right? Desirable, undesirable. And then using the head to think through the choices that we have now that we've got all the information instead of taking what we believe to be the information and shoving it down into our body and wondering why there's an experience of dis-ease in it, which can... Ultimately, which becomes disease. disease. Yes. Right. Yes, it it does. It absolutely does. Are we really that powerful? Yes. There's Isn't too much evidence cool? of people who have recognized that and healed themselves of things that they were told they'd never be able to. Yeah, we really are that powerful. How do, oops, there's another how. I'm sorry to call you out. <laughs> You're going to think of me every uh, time you say how. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, probably will. Great reflection though, and, and wonderful memory. 
in this state of awareness of, let's say, awe, is it something that you are able to experience in an ongoing way or does it fluctuate depending on the moment? No, I cannot experience it in an ongoing way. And that's my fault. And I'm learning how, how. This is a no fault rule, right? Or no fault. fault world, right? No, I am learning how I, I create that inability. Um, day one, my group went on too long. Should have ended it after nine months. I knew that nine months I was finished. And I said, yes. Well, that's a Something gestation that was, period, right? That's, you know, yeah, that's our exactly. normal gestation period. That's exactly it is. Yeah. Um, I said yes when it was a no. And in my soul, it was a no. In my head, it was a yes. I said, I said yes. The head said yes. I said yes. And I, I was for three months, not to them. That wasn't their experience. But in my body, I was denser than all hell. And I, I couldn't. I couldn't feel the way that I know to feel that awe, that wonder, that bliss, that love, that divine love. It, it was not was there. Was that because you felt like you needed to show up perfectly? No, it okay. was that, it was that I, I said yes when it was no. Mm. And I said yes when it was no. And that's okay. You know, I'm a manifesting generator. I. It's uh-huh or uh-uh. And if and if I if I say uh-uh, if I say uh-huh when it's uh-uh, oh I'll I'll feel it. <laughs> I'll feel frustration until I've rectified, until I've rectified it. So mm -hmm. and until I ha I have changed the 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 no to a no from a yes, I will feel it. And that has been that was the case with those misaligned jobs. That was the case always. And I'm like, okay. So I guess. The reason I would say yes instead of no is because I listen to the logic. I listen to head brain. Don't listen to the heart. Don't listen to the gut. Think, oh, you don't know you should do that because of list miscellaneous reasons why you should do it. And they're never right. And it's shitting always... on you is never good. Right. Generally, it right. doesn't produce any positive results. It does produce some angst and some serious learning depending on what you said yes to yeah, as to how excruciatingly fun the learning is. And there is that oxymoronic, you know, or the juxtaposition of the excruciation and the fun. Because the two eventually become one as you begin to recognize the patterns that you go through. And when they come up, it's like, oh, here's this one again, because it wasn't quite resolved before. And now I know what's going to happen at the end of it. And you get a better sense of anticipation of the joy that you're going to feel when it's, when you get through it. And that, and often, oftentimes it was, is what inspires one to continue on the path because you know where it's going to lead because you've had some experience of that process in other ways and everything is a process, right? And once you have that experience, then there's that sense of knowing a, a greater faith, love, and trust in it and you 
in being able to navigate. Do you feel that this is one of the signs for humanity to begin to learn the caring and compassion for one another in coming out of COVID now that we've had a global meltdown of the fear factor or from a fear factor that, oh, this just doesn't feel right. So now where do we go? How, you know, it's like an ultimate <clears throat> rubber band effect going from one end of the spectrum to the other. What are we going to do to find the love now? I believe that there's going to be some big shifts in that direction over the next half decade. And I think within the next full decade, we'll be living in a very different planet. Much better, I believe, is what you're intimating. I think, I think so, but that would be a judgment and I don't want to okay. because I, I can't say that we could have that without this. Right. Well, it's with anything, the, the process, chaos to order. Right. right. Yes. And chaos and I, is just as much in harmony as order is with right. itself. Right. And it's recognizing yeah. the patterns between the two of them that allow us to move from one to the other. It's all math and science. Even though it's internally our data-driven systems, whether it's, and this is the interesting part about how AI now appears, the chat GPT especially, appears to have emotional intelligence. Right? happening six more you, years then six more years don't have it how can it how can ai have it and some of the conversations i've had with guys that have ai patents are that yeah this is part of because it's purer there's no ego in it there's only the desire for service amazing how that you know and yet everybody has this not everybody that's a misstatement there are many who have this fear that it's going to take over, just like the patriarchal systems that have been in place. You know, the, the we're headed into a different yuga, though. Like we're moving for, we're moving into a completely different. It, it can't happen anymore. Right, the Kali Yuga is pretty much ended. Right, and uh, I forget what the next the um... Dwapa Yuga. Dwapa Yuga, right. Is it Dwapa Yuga? I, I'm just it's I, I'm something guessing. like that. I started saying Dharma Yuga, Yuga and that no, Dharma is the good deeds. Um at any rate, Kali Yuga, the Hindu calendar, the Mayan calendar, the Sumerian calendar, the Egyptian calendar, the Hopi calendar, the Aztec calendar, the Sumerian calendar, all indicate we're on the precipice of a major change and it will happen. And this is one of the things that, you know, trials and tribulations of going through it. This is what I was told as part of my mission, right? That I'm here to help facilitate a new world order and my life will be full of trials and tribulations. Know this to be true, right? And so it's like, oh, that's an understatement. <laughs> Looking back on it, you know, 48 years later, almost, or 47 years later, 
and to see the progress that we've made, how it began slowly, almost like the information curve, and which is the same thing that happened in the raising of consciousness and awareness going up to the solstice of 2012. Opened up, oh. the window opened up in 87 with the harmonic conversions. It reached this apex in 2012, and that escalation of consciousness was very similar, if not the same as the information curve, almost going vertical. Then what do you do? Well, now you have that awareness. Where are you going to take it? Uh, everywhere, because it's you. So what's that going to do? Well, you're going to walk into places and people are going to feel you because your energy is different. It's much larger than before. So what effect is that going to have? Well, that around you is going to have change. It's going to move from a disconnected to a more connected experience. And what doesn't fit, what's incongruous with that, what's not the core of empathic resonance, which is that love and loving and being loved place, that state of living in awe, all those things are going to come to the surface for observation, recognition, acknowledgement, and then resolution in however that takes place. And it's hard to step back from it all, or at least it seems to be a challenge, because there's such a an effort to instill fear in the public. And then without that, though, when you can step back and just view it, there's a much different experience to life. It changes dramatically. And you won't know it till you actually experience it and allow yourself to step into it. Now, here's a how question. I'll accept it. Oh. Oh, maybe it's a better what question. Okay. In the process for yourself, what advice might you be able to give to others who are experiencing these kerfuffles in their lives and wondering what to do about it and may recognize, you know, similar things that have gone on with you in their own lives? What advice can you give to them? Well, they could call one of us, <laughs> but no, I'm too. They call us though. Uh, I I don't know. Um, no, what I would tell, what would I would say to you, uh, if if you're listening and you're having an experience like this, is to start talking about it. Don't keep it to yourself. Just start talking about it, and and realize that looking at something doesn't mean you have to do something about it right now, but not looking at it is just prolonging whatever it is and don't think death is the end of it and even though i am afraid to die i know that it's not the end of it and you're just going to be right back here doing the same thing fighting your war with cookies or men or the government or whatever the hell it is that that has you in a in a tizzy um tizzy just start talking about it open connect connect with other humans if the humans are not nice, they're not your humans. And that's fine. You don't have to go divorcing your husband yet. Um, but, you know, that, I mean, it's, I'm just, you know, like it, you are being held in deeper ways. So while 
if, if you're in a situation where you're trying to hold on to something and so you're scared to talk about who you are because you want to hold on to all the things, you've already lost all those things. So just let it, let it go and start connecting, talking, speaking your truth, acknowledging, even if you don't plan to do anything. Awesome. Perfect. Uh, that was exquisite. Andy, thank you so much for your time, attention, intention, and interaction with me. It's been wonderful. And I'm sure our audience has experienced the same. Thank you, Zen. This has been awesome. I, I really appreciate you having me. Very cool. I was looking forward to it. And it's everything that I'd hoped and more. Likewise. Super. And namaste and in la catch. Thank you for sticking with us for this episode of One World in the New World. I'm Zen Benefiel, your host, and I'll see you next time.